Boo, Corey. I'm here with our general manager learning about the Day of Atonement. <laughs> We're talking about chickens flying <laughs> above people's heads. I'm sure you're like wondering, okay, tell what me in more. The world? Yeah, I've never heard anything like this. That's what you call like an easy setup for a church hurt if you have somebody slinging <laughs> chickens three you. times. Well, you know, it's funny. When, uh, it's really not supposed to be funny. And in the bigger sense, is it's kind of sad. But the ultra Orthodox are really the descendants of the Pharisees, the very ones who killed Jesus. Mm. They rejected him as Messiah, and when you reject him as Messiah and then reject all 40 years of all the signs that God's no longer receiving your sacrifices, you're left with what do you do because they understand the blood is needed in mm -hmm. order to deal with their sin. So, yeah. as I said, that's the ultra-Orthodox, and they're slinging a, or swinging a chicken around their head and trying to put the sin upon the chicken. and. Uh, you know, it's uh, of course you got to catch the chicken, you got to kill the chicken, and it's complicated. So that's ultra orthodox. Now, the just the regular orthodox, they have they have an easier system. A prayer often heard at the conclusion of orthodox Jewish services is called the Anima Amin, or I believe. Full prayer says, "I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Messiah, the Messiah, and even though he may tarry, nevertheless I wait each day for his coming." I always it just. Makes makes me sad to think, you know, 2,000 years later, still longing for a Messiah who already came. Mm -hmm. And it, it's one of those things that for me just is a, is a heartbreak. Mm -hmm. But sadly, at his first coming, Jesus did not meet the expectation of the Pharisees. They rejected him because they were jealous of him, number one, but they were expecting a different type of Messiah. There was, very, there was a picture of two different Messiahs in a sense. The Messiah Ben David, who'd rule on the throne of David, he'd bring judgment to the wicked and restore the temple and the kingdom of Israel. If he had come as the Messiah Ben David, they would have accepted him. But to this day, Orthodox Jews anxiously await the arrival of a Messiah, still believing he could come at any time. The other one was the Messiah Ben, ben Joseph, and, and that one was more of the, the, the sacrificing the who Jesus came in that first variation. He will return again. He will be seated on a, on, on a, a horse with a sword, so he will fulfill that, that other perspective. It's just, you know, thousands of years after they expected him. So, what about that whole scenario? Is there prophecies that talk about how the Jews would miss out on this? Answer is yes, Hosea 3. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, without teraphim. Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Mm. That prophecy speaks of a... Of a time called for many days when Israel would be without a king or prince, a sacrifice, all the other religious articles. But in the latter days, literally at the end, end of days, the nation will return and seek the Lord, the Messiah. We're currently living in those many days and we've been there for nearly 2000 years, but this period isn't the first time God had to kind of play hardball with us. Go back 6,000 years ago. In Revelation 13, 8, Jesus is called the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Ten days after their creation, the first Yom Kippur occurs. Sin happens. Spiritual death happens. We believe it's on Yom Kippur. There's no way to prove that. It's just a belief. But blood must be spilled to cover the sin of Adam and Eve. God doesn't desire to kill Adam and Eve. 
At creation, they were covered in light or glory, but now it's gone, so they're naked. So God makes a sacrifice. He places their sins on an animal, kills it, to make them coverings with its skin. That's all we know in the very, very few verses in Genesis. The Hebrew meaning or concept of that word covering is anointing. He restores their anointing. With what? The blood of that sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or removing of sin, the Bible tells us. And then God casts them out of the garden. Where do they go now? We believe the Garden of Eden is where Jerusalem was right now. And he sends them out of the garden to the east. The first animal was killed to make them close and restore their anointing. Adam and Eve leave the garden clothed with that animal. In a sense, they're the second goat walking off into the wilderness never to return. This is the next picture of Christ slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus will be called the second Adam, and so is the first goat. On the cross, when he is slain outside the city, he is the scapegoat, and he goes to the east. The Day of Atonement is closely connected to Ascension Day, and, and has been since the beginning in the garden. On the Day of Atonement today, or tonight and tomorrow, the scapegoat was led through the eastern gate towards the Mount of Olives, where it would disappear from view. Talked to that a little while ago. As it fulfilled the removal of the sins from the people. One goat is killed, one is the scapegoat, takes the sins, and they take them off. He shall send the goat into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. Goat will carry on itself all the sins to a remote place. Now, when we go to Israel all three times, we've gone up to that spot at the top of the Mount of Olives because that's the last place uh, that goat stands. And it's the exact same path up the Mount of Olives that Jesus took with his disciples on the 40th day after his resurrection. Jesus climbed to the Mount of Olives, ascended into heaven from that spot, showing that our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. He literally walked out the path and the actions of the scapegoat. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up behind, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up at heaven? The same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him coming into heaven. So two things about that. First, he's the goat that's going off, and the ribbon's supposed to go from scarlet to white. And what happens? He goes up, the sins are gone, men in white are standing there. So you have angels there. And again, it's just one more little miraculous thing that God says, He's the goat, the sins are going off, and you're all the sins of mankind forever taken care of. But the other thing is, this is the last place where he stood where he comes back when he returns. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north, half towards the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley. So uh, it's a wonderful picture. So the Day of Atonement attaches itself to Jesus in all kinds of different ways. But uh, that's one of the ways that I think is pretty cool.